0: Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mama's Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I am on with three very special ladies and maybe some more joining us shortly. Part of the Doula Care Collective, Brooke Avril, and Bell. It's a pleasure to have you ladies on. Brooke, why don't you go first and give a little introduction to the listeners about who you are and what you do.
1: Oh, thank you, Nicole. Yeah. So I came into the birth space after spending a number of years as a holistic wellness advocate. And as a holistic wellness advocate, I supported women in making simple changes in their daily lives to improve their overall well being. And my decision in becoming a birth doula after that process of constant evolution was after experiencing birth, illness, death, and loss, not only with clients, but really going through a series of life experiences and events myself, and really seeing how impactful making informed decisions were. And making those informed decisions during very difficult times, times of uncertainty. And for those of us who are moms, (laughs) feel like that's like the, the, the story of your life and in birth, that's all what it's about. It's really that first stage of our um, adulthood where mm-hmm. right we're going from maiden to mother and and really going in with a sense of overwhelm, full of emotions and learning how to just ride the wave and face uncertainty every day. And, and yet in birth is the start of it and becoming a mother and going through these next stages of our lives, it's always full of uncertainty. And, and so it just, it just really made a lot of sense to me to start with, or to go into the first phase of (laughs) womanhood, or maybe not the first phase, but the most important phase in our uh, adulthood is becoming a mother. And, you know, I went through having miscarriages and struggling immensely with fertility and so I am one of those many doulas out there who don't have children of my own. I do live with a man who has two little girls who, in many ways, I feel are my own. But I think that that comes from just my own personality and, and temperament is that I've got a big heart. And I've always been one who overgives, overloves, and overshares. And that's kind of where like the collective came into um, existence is my desire to gather women together and, and to bring something that I felt was lacking in our community. And I can go into that later on, but sure.
0: awesome. Thank you. And how long have you been a doula? Why don't you say that?
1: I've been a doula for three years. I think I started. Uh, okay.
0: And we'll talk about the process to become a doula of that you ladies can talk about average. go ahead, introduce yourself.
2: Hi, I'm Averjil Rookwood. I am the corporate doula (laughs) and I spent the majority of my career actually in a very corporate setting um, in charge of benefits well and well being for companies from a consulting standpoint and then, you know, owning that within an organ a single organization. And for me, my journey to doula hood really happened in developing these benefit programs that, you know, most people who work have families and start their families during their working years. And so developing benefits programs to kind of help and supplement during that time of life or various stages of life from fertility to loss and all the good stuff that may happen in between really having very personal stories from employees to help me understand that, you know, it was my duty at that time to fight the conversations about the bottom line. It's a business, birth is a business. And, you know, so you have to make sure the bottom line is good, but could I be that voice to really care about the people behind the bottom line? And so for a long time, that's the road that I traveled. But I've my entire adult life has been into women's health and the more and more i dug deeper into that it started opening up as maternal health specifically for me and then going through a fertility journey of my own realizing that there is very intentional roadblocks set up in the medical system, but then also again in the benefits system to make it harder or attractive only to certain subsections of the working population. And so I started my doula journey. I realized, and I think we all realized that we were doulas before we even started, doula training. <laughs> so my doula training uh, started in 2019, but it just the deeper I got into it, the the more I wanted to dive a little bit deeper than that. You know, for me as a black woman, the black maternal health crisis was something that also shoved me deeper into this work because what I did as I learned data, as I learned processes, as as I learned uh, mechanisms that we do and employ as a doula Uh, you know, I just recognize how absent that was from the experiences that I had witnessed in those of my family and friends surrounding me. And so I wanted to be that person to create more access to all communities, because no matter what community you're from, what part of the world you're from, what your culture is, we all had a doula. We call it something different. And over the years, because of our modernization, we have come away from that. And I'm here to bring it back. And my special niche is for the working family. But I'm a doula for the corporate world and I'm a doula for the community as well. Amazing. All right, Belle, go ahead and introduce yourselves.
3: So my name is
0: Belle. Annabelle, but I like to go by Belle. I feel like it fits me,
3: the new me since I become a mom better. I've been a doula since. Ooh, I'm gonna go on four years now I actually started my path when I was pregnant with my first not after but before because we were planning a home birth so when we made that known to our co-workers and not necessarily families but yeah mostly friends and co-workers were like are you crazy? All the what ifs, you know, what if and what if and what if. And I've known about doula way before that, before I moved to America. I've been I've been in the States for 10 years now. And even remotely thought of having kids. I knew that if if one day I would want to have a doula, I came across actually a an article in in a French magazine about doulas here in the United States and I thought it was like super cool and they were talking about water birth and I always knew that I wanted to have a water birth and a doula so but that was like years ago and so when they came the time came that was their plan there was like no question about it and, and being in the United States it was a lot easier for me to do that home birth because the home birth situation in France it's it's very different. We have very little midwives actually, mm-hmm. and until recently, like home birth centers were actually how can I say that in English on trial. Like there are there was like very few in France, and they were like oh, just wow. give it a try and see how things are going. So and I just. Literally today came across a post from a, a, a fellow French uh, doula posting something about opening uh, a birth center in her area. And I was like asking, like, wait a minute. I thought it was still on track. She's like, no, actually. So now they have to go to open more birth center in France. So that's exciting. But to get back to my story, yes, I decided to become a doula to educate people on their options. You know, that, that hospital setting over hyper medicalized is not the only options and the more I was learning about it the more I was like completely blown away and amazed by by things in general just the, the capacity the abilities of of our bodies and what it's capable of doing and I'm like we can do it <laughs> so well unfortunately I put a lot of pressure on myself to do to have this home birth to prove to everybody else that it was possible so when the plan did not go through obviously because we all know how birth is so unpredictable we ended up being transferred to the hospital so it was it was very hard for me to deal with at that time because again I wanted I wanted to to prove to everybody that it was possible and I felt like a failed you know so after that the postpartum period was really rough so that later on, i more like doula work as well, because I wanted to be that support for the woman, you know? So I continued on, and then I had my second baby, and that time I had my water home birth. So that was healing and very empowering. I'm more of a holistic doula, like the obviously home birth approach and not, not so much medical. I support all kind of birth regardless. Mm-hmm. But my niche will be yes, in the in the home birth world. I'm also a doula with a local birth center that I'm sure you know very well. So that's that. It's it's really about yeah, educating on, on the options and that the, the mainstream is not the only option.
0: For sure. And I love how each of you came in with your own inspiration into and own passion of why you came into becoming a doula. And it's crazy because it, each one kind of resonated with me. I'm a working mother, so. I understand that and not having a company that supported me, all smoke and mirrors, right? They created a a maternity plan because the owner's wife got pregnant. So all of a sudden we needed to have one, but she didn't, well, she did breastfeed. So then we created a room, but then she jumped back to work. So because it was kind of ingrained in me, I was like, I got to get back to work. I got to get back to work. In hindsight, I needed a, a, a true postpartum period. It was very rough for me to go from a high-level position to being a mom, and I did not know what I was doing. So that resonated with me. Brooke, of of giving, right? Giving oneself, that's what mothers, women, it's just what we do and being the nurturer side of it and understanding how important that is for a woman to have that during birth. And like you said, it's what's given or and average of you had said too, it's what's done around the world, right? We call it doulas, but it's really just having the village. It's really just having the support. And then Belle, of course, you and I sharing the love for holistic and Brooke, you as well of saying that more of holistic wellness, which we'll get into, but who started the doula care collective Whose idea was it? And how did each of you meet? Cause, and say how many, why don't you kind of go into the specifics? How many jewelers are there? Are you looking to expand all that good stuff? Whoever wants to take, take the realm on this one.
3: So we, when was it Brooke? September oh, 2019. and nineteen. Nineteen, Yes. Brooke and I had a common friend who was named, who is named Martha, not our
4: <laughs> Martha, another one.
3: <laughs> and one day she told me, she said, Hey, I'm meeting with, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she was meeting with Brooke, and Brooke had already had this idea, And but I had this idea on my hand as well. So Marta kind of like connected us. I think we did it for different, kind of be the same, but a little different at the same time. But we ended up finding ourselves, yeah, back in September, 2019 in Brooke's kitchen, all sitting around a table delicious breakfast and just started talking about what can we do how can we do things what are the strengths of each one of us and whatnot we were what five or five of us yeah yeah. and then it started like that so we started having like quick meetings but at the end we just end up being the two of us really from the core of that little group and then other people like abrid and audrey and whatnot everybody started. uh going on. And now we are like 20, 23 doulas.
0: Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, But why pretty- was it so important to bring doulas together? So Brooke, like Brooke, after Belle says her, like why you got the inkling to do it, Brooke, then I want you to go into like, what was your inkling? Why did you feel it was important for doulas to come together as opposed to, oh, okay, there's a doula there high and whatever. Why make it this collective group? ultimately community. I've I've lived in
1: different parts of the country. And so on a personal level, I was always in search for my tribe. And I had joined back in 2014, a company by the name of doTERRA. And the culture of doTERRA was all about community. And the group of women that I worked with, that was a a, a value for each of us is to have, and being all women, a sisterhood. And then going into coaching, recognizing that in the coaching profession, there's no collaboration, or it's harder to find that collaboration amongst coaches. There's this sense of competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And I personally, I don't see myself as being competitive. And becoming or going into the birth field and in our community, I wanted to connect with other doulas. Mm -hmm. And I learned very early on, I think even in my training, that it's this mantra, this saying that we are women who support other women in their families. And then being a woman in today's time, we're always looking for that village, that tribe. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's for me, that's where this idea of like, well, why didn't I just shake things up a bit? And Mm -hmm. instead of all of us being for ourselves, going back quickly, With doTERRA, they always said we may work for ourselves, but not by ourselves. And so that always stayed with me. And so coming into birth work and being a bunch of women who work for ourselves and our moms, like the one thing in being self-employed and working from home and in the midst of a pandemic was this sense of like feeling isolated and couldn't we come together and find a way to collaborate? to support one another, but also collectively really bring that village together. And I think in in numbers, we are stronger. Mm -hmm. So if we have this vision and we all play a vital role in this collective, Mm -hmm. Uh, could we really make a difference in our community here in Florida?
4: To have that for me, having two kids, uh, a big reason for me for the collective was to have support. Being on call, the job we do, being on call in the middle of the night and finding care for our babies, it's very hard. So the reason for me was, yeah, finding uh, reliable people that i trust with my children while i am going to support other women giving birth so that and also backups if you if you have a doula you i hope most likely your doula had a backup because you know life happens, and sometimes we're not able to attend the birth of our clients. So we work with backups that will go to your birth in case we cannot attend. And that's also a very difficult thing. So backup and childcare was very much of a motivation uh, behind the collective as well. And also, to go back to postpartum, like I mentioned earlier, as far as my own experience and finding myself very uh, isolated after my first was like, how are we supposed to tell women that we support to find their village to, to be well supported if we can do that ourselves, <laughs> you know? So, and, and, it, and this, for the same reason, it's always when I do my meetings or whatnot, it happens to me when I bring my kids, you know, and people are oh, it's so unprofessional. I don't think that it is. Like, how are we supposed to change the mentalities if we don't do it ourselves? So, that's well, my little and- add-on to that.
0: Correct. And I think we are in a different time. And Average, I think you can probably attest to this because you come from the corporate side more like you're that niche of yours of helping companies to develop policies. To Bell, your point, aren't we trying to get there? So yes, it may not look professional to some people, because I think we're so ingrained, like children completely out or whatever. And I sometimes even get that way, like with the podcast and I'll start getting high strung. Cause I'm like, gosh, if my little one runs in and then I'm like, Nicole, this is a mother podcast. <laughs> like your son, if he comes in, he comes in like- It is what it is. So, but I'm like, why? But it's ingrained in us. So Average, you'll talk about that. And then we'll jump a little bit back into like how you reach out to the women. Do they come to you? And then I want to talk about doula-ing in the pandemic. But Average, you'll speak on that.
2: Yeah. So how I got involved with the collective, I first met Brooke and Belle when we were taking a belly binding class (laughs) in 2019, probably fall 2019. And uh, so summer of 2020, so after we're like, so this pandemic is staying around, reached out to me and, you know, gave me a little information about it. And I was all the way in because for much of the reasons that they spoke about, you know, I don't think there aren't enough doulas to serve a number of births that are happening in the United States. But let's talk about, you know, Florida specifically. And so- my contribution to that was, A, for myself, yes, I agree with Belle. We preach about this, having a community for the mother, but we don't have a community for ourselves. And it's really hard to do this work in isolation. You won't last long and you will burn out quickly when there's no one there to hold your hand, to process things with you. You need that community, but then you also need resources. And resources are through lived experiences that you don't personally have, but your doula group will have. And you can lean on that. And it's like a secret cave (laughs) that is a bomb for us, you know, when we need it to be and will fire us up when we need that to happen as well. And we just don't collectively come together enough. It's a very one man show. And, you know, again, with my background, I think how doulas are looked at in the United States is about to change. Two years from now, it will not be the same world that we are working and functioning as doulas. So how do we get ready for that? How do we maintain the integrity of the sacredness of what we do, but make it a business? This is not a volunteer service by and large. There, there, That is aspects to what we do. But you know, a lot of doulas are, are focused on the soft skills and the being a doula, but are you neglecting your business? Cause I don't want any doula that I'm connected to, to be left behind in that aspect. So it's, it's lending my point of view from that as well to the collective. We are business people and we need to gear up for what is going to happen and not leave that behind, but demand that The integrity of our work remains going forward.
0: And if I can interject, because I I love this, because my next point in today, remember, I have to think about like all the questions of people like, oh, what is this? So I'm coming in is to your point, I spoke with a midwife, gosh, sometime last year. And she was like, look, this is a business. She was like, and she was a black midwife. And she's like, and unfortunately, I don't know if people think that women of color, like we're just giving up our way, our services for free. And I'm like, God, that's such a true point. Cause she's like, yes, I am doing this. It is a labor of love. I am there to support the woman during the most arguably most, you know, transformative, beautiful, amazing time of her life. She's like, but I, this is my business. Like I'm trying to get, you know, so to your point of that, that's awesome. And that's another way of looking at it. how you bring that into it of saying, look, maybe looking to someone like Brooke or Bell, if they're not like, look, okay, let's get your, what should you be charging? What does that look like? And working into where you can provide this service, you're still getting paid because it's a living, you're doing this, this is your job, but you're still able to service your clients.
2: And what Brooke and Bell didn't say about the collective, which I think is a brilliant thing is the village feeds itself, meaning Mm. it's not an agency where monies are going up to one, you know, entity. It's a collective of businesses. Mm. So you're encouraged to do whatever it is that your heart desires, however you want to show up in the doula space and to do it your way. But we have the Voltron (laughs) collective where we, we come together in whatever ways make us unique and we use it as a strength. It's not a deficit. So that, that to me is a beautiful thing of the collective that we get to show up however we are, but we show up together and it's strong. It's, it's impactful.
0: I love it. I think what you ladies are doing are beautiful. I mean, it's it's all what we've been saying and talking about. But gosh, there's so many things because I want to talk about the pandemic. But I also you said something about why you feel or you, you do believe doula work is going to change in the next two years. But okay, this let's, let's go a little bit back to the pandemic. And I don't want to spend too much time because I also believe in moving forward, but I am interested in hearing how did that work? You guys come together 2019, you're like, yeah, we're gonna do this. And then a pandemic strikes. I want each of you to spend maybe a minute or two discussing what was that like
4: for you and being a doula, you know, yeah. What was that like? Well, for me it was not, not very active because I had my baby in January. So the first half of the year was very slow. I was just enjoying my, my postpartum period with my brand new babies but i still had like a few clients that i supported at the end of 19 and actually january as well i had a client i was i was pregnant but i'm lucky enough i don't know if i can say that i had clients that either had home birth or either were giving birth in a the hospital that were alone doulas <laughs> or did not have a partner So for me, really, as a doula, the only change was wearing the mask in the hospital. Mm. Okay. So... That was the, the Okay, biggest so it thing. went
0: pretty seamlessly. So you were were you guys considered still essential workers and then broke you an average? That,
4: that's the thing. We are not really considering such. We have some hospitals that do allow us upon prior approval showing our certification. But other hospitals, it's either you have to choose between your partner or your doula, which is very difficult. Being a doula is tough, getting in the hospital is really tough i thought i felt when i first started and with the pandemic for me it really felt like all the works that the doulas prior to us have done to get themselves known to get yeah, themselves okay. at the door in the hospital boom we got our freaking hospital door shut down to our face and we are now on parking lots and know on facetime with our client. i mean not like i said i didn't have that experience but i know some of us have Mm -hmm. so that was really really a drawback a setback like shoot we're really gonna have to do the work all over again or do it differently which is what we do with a lot of virtual support which average you've been featured like recently in the newspaper so you can talk about that a little as well
2: <laughs> yeah for me because of my past life and benefits telehealth was something that I pushed a lot and so now this was like see okay let's do this so I I moved all of my childbirth education to mm-hmm. boom format and what I also did was because like Belle said if the client already has a partner, then, you know, definitely in 2020, you were not allowed in the hospital. So in my childbirth education classes, I required if the client had a partner to join at least one. And that one focused on understanding the stages of labor and comfort measures. Mm-hmm. Because if my hands, if my expertise wasn't available tactically, then I needed them to have those skills. And so it was my job to ramp them up and also to develop a relationship, not just with the birthing person, but with, you know, that partner, because if labor happens... <clears throat> o'clock in the morning, I wanted them to be comfortable calling and texting me. So it really included asking the partner to have more of an active role, which I believe you know, in most instances they want to, they just don't know how. Mm-hmm. So this was the big show, like, okay, now <laughs> the universe has called you to this moment. So let's get you prepared in the event that I, I can't be there. And, and now that maybe hopefully we'll be able to get into the hospitals a little bit more, I'm still employing that method where I'm in, involving whomever from the family is also considered a support person for that client.
1: Yeah, I think as the pandemic hit and we started facing the roadblocks when it came to birth, I found myself picking up in virtual support, but also embracing the pandemic on a personal level to kind of slow down and, and manifest this collective. A lot of my heart and energy went into putting this together with Bell But I also found myself actually in January of last year, I completed my Ayurvedic postpartum training. And so I kind of found myself really in the postpartum work and focusing a lot on that actually up until this last three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. so My year for 2020 was really full of postpartum support, working with families anywhere from a week, a few days a week to six weeks to even uh, eight weeks. overnights and daytime support and so it's become my my little niche for myself it's something that I really have fallen in love with and I think that my clients really valued that because there were a lot of challenges that they had in the birth space Mm -hmm. and then they came home and now they had somebody just there whether it was just helping them manage the household and supporting them adjusting through that postpartum process Mm -hmm. to I've had a lot of single moms this last year and navigating birth by themselves and then coming home and postpartum and just having me there day in and day out to just be there with them. I think that just goes back to like, right, this desire to
0: serve and be of service for other people. That's awesome. I love how each of you kind of embraced 2020 the best you could and said, okay, how are we going to do this? Which I think is what women do and what we all kind of have had to do in 2020. That was a year of like, either you know, we got to figure it out. Something's got to give. So you all kind of said, okay, what can I do the best here? But Brooke, that's a segue into the next aspect. What are the all the aspects of the doula and the different types of doulas? I recently just heard, not recently, but last year, I didn't know about a postpartum doula. I would have known that there was a postpartum doula, I would have been like, what? And I, I didn't. And even though I had Martha as my doula, I, I just didn't know like all that entailed. And again, there's different stereotypes and things specifically in America of how we label things and what things are. So yeah, whoever wants to talk about kind of the different types of doulas and all aspects of what the doula's role is. Well, I think you could start off with just like
1: understanding what a doula is before we break it down. So a doula, for the most part, is a woman. However, there are a lot of male doulas out there, which I think is pretty incredible. But she is ultimately a caregiver. So we are more familiar with senior care, home care, right? And so if you look at it in postpartum sense, I mean, that's ultimately what we're doing is we're providing home care for moms. But it's a woman who's a caregiver and she provides physiological support, like physical assistance, in other words, psychological encouragement and evidence-based information, both to the expectant par- parent, but also their partner, whether that's their spouse or their friend, mother, but to support both of them. And then if you think about it throughout the years, throughout history, we've had women always supporting other women through this process. So the idea of a doula, maybe the definition or the, the word, the term doula is new for us in in the American culture, but the role of a doula has been around since the dawn of time. we were women. And I guess I can go back to my own personal experience real quickly. When I was my sister's birth partner, At that point, never experiencing someone else's birth in front of of me. Mm -hmm. What drew me into the idea of being a doula was to see the natural rhythm of women within this space, the nurses. Mm -hmm. that Between myself and the nurses and my sister birthing, there was just this flow. And it left me in awe. And as a doula, I see that too. Like there's just this natural innate ability that we as women can offer not only a woman who is birthing but ultimately anybody Mm -hmm. it's that that natural innate ability to nurture and to nurture that mother who is becoming a mother
0: and uh, abrigio do you want to go into the different types of doulas that there are and then we'll introduce the next guest that just kind of came on
2: Mm -hmm. sure and i think it's also to add on top of brooke's definition of a doula is that we are non-clinical there are some people who have clinical skills, certifications and degrees who are also doulas, but the core role of a doula is non-clinical. So we are part of the birth team, the same as a midwife, an OB, a OB, you know, delivery nurse, all of that, but we're, we're part of the team. And so really to be of assistance, advocate, support, all of that happens at every stage of motherhood whether it actualizes into a baby or not so Mm -hmm. from fertility to loss as I like to say so I think what people are most familiar with is birth and postpartum but there are aspects on the outskirts of those that is a way to serve a person who's trying to start a family but then also has lost the child that they had. But, you know, there's also some cool parts to the development of doula as well. So it doesn't always have to be for someone who biologically was pregnant. It can be for an adoptive parent. Mm. It could be in the world of surrogacy. You know, so these are emerging specialties of doulas that is really exciting and completely valid and completely needed. Sure. So in essence, it's
0: someone who supports the women's wishes um, and helping guide the family. I know um, Martha at mine helped, you know, my husband was kind of like, All right, what do I do? You know, he was there, but I think that she kind of helps the mother and is an advocate. Yeah. An advocate to say, look, this is what the plan is and helping the mother stay there to Belle's point when she first came on to say, because women have choices. And I think for so long, we've been ingrained with thinking it only is one way in many different aspects of life. And I think with birth, it just isn't, you know, and, you know, I had a home birth and I'm very into holistic care, but I believe in a woman's choice, period. If you want an epidural girl, have an epidural, but at least know the pros and cons and just be educated to then make the decision that's works best for your family. And that's awesome to hear that there's different styles of doulas coming out. Because yeah, like, you know, what, you know, adoptive mothers or adoptive parents, like they need guidance too. you know, of where to begin, or if they have babies, and they're like, what do I do next? It's all the same realm. But I think, again, we've been conditioned or just didn't know that, you know, the aspect of a doula of thinking that, like you said, it's just birth. And now, for me finding out postpartum, and then all these different levels. But Audrey, I know you joined the call. So why don't you go into just an introduction of who you are, the kind of doula that you are. And then as I start asking questions, if you feel comfortable answering them, go ahead.
5: I am Audrey Cooper. I am a birth doula and childbirth educator, the kind of doula that I am.
0: Mm. (laughs) That's a loaded question.
5: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I guess, uh, hands on. And not just in like a, you know, physical touch aspect of birth, but hands-on in like, like, I want the people that I work with to be hands-on in their own birth experience that often there's this very like medicalized birth idea that we need to, that birthing people need to sort of remove themselves from the equation that like, they can't be hands-on in their own birth experience or, you know, interact with the providers in a place of power. And so I guess a, a hands-on doula in that I want people to feel like they have the ability to to get hands-on with their experience and to like learn and prepare themselves in a, a physical kind of practical way. What I also about think the I'm type very of doula, fun.
0: <laughs> do you focus on birth, postpartum? Oh um, sure. All these different terminologies now of kinds. Yes. Kind
5: I <laughs> yeah, I am a birth doula. Okay.
0: Awesome. And how long have you been a doula? Let's see, it will be two years in May, June. And final question, (laughs) do you have any children?
5: I do not, no. Okay,
0: so before we go into, I wanna go into the misconceptions of the dualist world because I think it's important to clear some of those up. This question is for Brooke and Averjia and now Audrey. What compelled you? I don't know, you said a little bit of like your inspiration, but not being mothers, um, I guess you ladies are showing you don't have to be a mother to be in this caregiving space. But what compelled you, if you could kind of summarize it, to be a doula and specifically work with mothers since you don't have children? Like, what was it?
1: It was having purpose. For me, it's it's a meaningful role. And I needed to take that energy that a woman puts into her children, the children, that the child that I lost in my miscarriage,
0: mm-hmm. take that
1: energy and put it into something that I feel is meaningful, gives me
0: purpose in life. And it's very much been that experience for me. Awesome. Average Healer Audrey, whoever wants to maybe go next.
5: I, I think that mostly it came from a place of wanting to empower women. I had been like actively blogging and creating like personal development content for women in encouraging them to you know, sort of find their power and who they are and to like choose their priorities instead of having people sort of place them upon them. And I had listened to way too many birth stories from my friends who were like, well, originally I wanted three kids, but I don't know that I'm ever going to do that again. (laughs) Or, you know, oh, I, I thought that I was going to do it this way, but it's way harder than anyone tells you. Or, you know, just these stories of like going into it sort of ambitious and excited and coming out of their birth experience feeling negative and powerless. And like their desires were just sort of taken away from them in this like whirl of the birth world. And when I, as soon as I found out that there was a profession whose job it was to help make that not a thing, I was like, (laughs) yes, please. I want to do that. And I got trained like the next month. (laughs)
0: That's
4: it's true. There's so
0: much trauma. Like with birth like yes gosh don't even get me started but yeah go ahead Abigail. go ahead what what would be your word what was that for you
2: I, I would have to steal from brooke a little bit i think it's for me legacy and purpose legacy in the sense of my great-grandmother was a midwife mm. and a holistic practitioner and i feel like this is just where i'm supposed to be Yes. <laughs> Um, But in terms of purpose, I, you know, a child of immigrants who worked very hard to get what they got in life and to make an opportunity for someone like me to live a completely different life, have privileges that they could never have dreamt of, and to work so hard in corporate America and see how women, I wasn't at the stage yet where I was ready to start a family, but to witness and to a certain point, unknowingly be a part of the bamboozling that was going on for women in the workplace because most women are in the workplace and depend upon these benefits. I just, it just made me very angry and I wanted to be a resolution, um, not part of the problem. So okay. I, I I do it from an ancestral standpoint and then I also do it from a purpose-driven standpoint. Love it.
0: So why don't we go into the misconceptions of the doula's role? Let's dispel some of these misconceptions I know, um, average, you kind of put one out there that non-clinical, which I think is important to know. Right. And like you said, some might be certified and whatever, but the doula aspect itself, it's, it's not a medical, you know, profession per se, but what, what misconceptions out there, what do you kind of want to, you know, dispel here?
5: One that I think of right away is that, um, doulas do not replace any of your family members or your partner or any other support person Um, sort of going along with the non-clinical world. I mean, we don't replace any of those providers. You still need your nurse and your OB and your midwife or whoever else, but we're not there to take the place of your partner. And not only are we not there to do it, we work really well with those people and we enable them to have a richer experience experience, because we're the ones who are focused on taking care of the birthing person and, you know, meeting their needs wherever we can and enabling the partner, the mom, the sister to have that experience as a partner and a mom and a sister and not to to be thinking about something else or, you know, worrying about the things that a doula takes care of.
2: I think also uh, there's a misconception that there's one type of doula So if you saw an article on something and you don't connect to either the stringent way that they practice or the granola tree hugger way that they practice, (laughs) (laughs) there are many things on, on across the entire spectrum. And there is definitely a doula for you and what you're looking for. So that's a misconception. The one thing that I'd like to share is
1: we come into your space or into your birth Uh, with no judgment, Mm. preconceived ideas of what we feel is best for you. Part of our process of education is really learning how to leave our biases at the door and to be able to hold space and ask further deeper questions to help you find what works best for you. So Mm. if you're talking about birth. Meeting with us in prenatal consultations, we'll go through and we'll go through a series of different questions and help you make those informed decisions yourself. We're there to offer resources. And what I liked in my experience in my education was really learning for, for those who are perfectionists and overachievers, in some ways, many of us are experts. The more and more work we do, the more and more births and variety of births and postpartum and experiences that we have, Mm -hmm. we come in with more insight and perspective on how to navigate certain things, but we really are there to be a resource that we've spent hours and years creating relationships with those in the community and we are there to provide inf- evidence-based information but also know who is best to refer you to you know awesome. the idea of it being a birth team and that we are one sliver of that team that pie and that we complement the medical care that you would have, whether through a midwife or OB, that we're not there to challenge them, but to help you feel confident in the decisions that you're making.
0: Awesome. Bella, did you want to chime in and add any other misconception?
4: With my home birth, home birth in my heart, for me, the biggest conception misconception is people are unclear between like doula and midwife, but it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning is that midwife, they are medical providers. So they have that clinical aspect of it, but because it's an out of hospital setting, people are tend to like confuse doula and, and midwives, but I, I like to... I like to say that the the midwife takes care of you from the waist down and the doula takes care of you from the waist up. So that's how I like to to describe it. Very
0: so, good a very good description of it.
4: Another thing too is advocacy. Sometimes I hear like oh women are looking for doula because they want somebody to advocate for them. Hold on, but we don't advocate for you, you know. We we don't speak for you. You like like Brooke said, we have all this research and information and whatnot that we provide to you and educate you on, but at the end of the day, we don't talk to you for for you to your medical provider. Although I found it sometimes extremely difficult, and I won't get too much into that, but when you find yourself as a professional in a hospital labor and delivery room and you see the abuse that, it, that women are experiencing and, and the partner does not necessarily know because he's not a jeweller and he doesn't have the knowledge. And, and it's, it's very hard to balance between what you witness and what you're supposed to do as a jeweler. The ethical aspect of it, which I'm sure ah,
0: yes. the ethical aspect of how far do you intervene and what do you say? So with that, how can hospitals, OBGYNs better support the role of the doula?
2: I think they have to learn because this for the ones that are already in practice, it was not part of their education. Mm-hmm. So I think you take a two-pronged approach. For those who are still being in education, it's about having roundtable discussions with doulas and midwives and understanding what the team looks like and can look like when it's functioning optimally. And then for those who are already practicing, it's about getting hospital administrators, practitioners, and you know I'm always going to say insurance because again that's another block to the access that doulas have it's not a covered service and so hospitals would pay more attention when it's a covered service because if insurance companies are paying for it they're gonna have to fight the insurance companies not us so (laughs) it's about you know how high can we take it and i always believe that you fight from the top down but from the bottom up and so that's an example of the top down
0: Awesome. I think, like anything else in life, right, you know, with all the, and I'm not going to get too into it, but like the social injustices and things of what's going on in this country, it's like we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in a lot of situations. And I think for the providers, they have to understand, like, we're not here to take, you know, we're just here for the mom, you know, we're here to offer support. We're not here to take over your position. We're not here to meddle. So I can imagine that being a fight where, You're going to have some that understand and maybe some that and that don't, but to continuously have those conversations so that they can be more open minded and understanding, as you said, you know what the role is and everyone plays their position and this can work. You know, I'm sure there's statistical data that shows when women have a doula, how much to Audrey's point, it's not as maybe traumatic or it goes more along the lines of what they wanted because they know their options and things that they are informed
2: with. But that's why we have these conversations here, right? So people know. Just to add, in, in regards to how do we get the hospitals involved, how do we get practitioners involved, it's it's about money. Money's what's going to make them move. And like you said, we now have the data to support our value. It's no longer just something, a pie of the sky dream. We have data to support the efficacy of what we do. And so bringing that data to the table, because that was the roadblock before, right? So now that we have that, bring that data to the table and sit down with them and then we make it about competition is something else that talks. If one hospital has that, and then their C-section rates start to go down, their satisfaction rates start to go up, then the next hospital down the street is going to, and then next thing you know, people will be knocking down Doula Care Collective's door saying, how can we work with you guys? But it's so true. It's like, cause it's all about money. It is, it's the business.
0: It's a business like anything else. And you have to hurt them where you have to hurt them in the pocket. So again, you collect your data, you have these conversations and then you start, okay, well, this hospital is doing well, well, I'm going to start sending all of my patients there. How do you like that? And then see people, okay, well, maybe we need to aspect, which is horrible because you would feel like people should just be adults and understand, but it's the world that we live in. So you got to kind of play that game, unfortunately. And it's good that you all have the collective, because then I see I could see where some of that comes in, because maybe someone who might not fight for that, then someone else can jump in and be like, all right, you know, what? I got you come here. So that's amazing. Like, I love it. <laughs> Brooke's shaking her head for those who can't see she's shaking her head yet. Yes, yes, yes. Did anyone else want to say anything to that? Or do you want me to move on? Because that my next question is going to be, what is the process to
4: become a doula? And what does that look like? I just wanted to add to that when regards to data or whatnot, we also have an increase in home birth with the pandemic. So I think that hospital will have interest into having more open approach of birth that the medical way is not the only way. And if they want to keep their mom birthing in the hospital, they have to give them option in there. So we see, for example, we see more and more like birth uh birth tub, birth pool in hospitals, for example. But the, the, the pandemic did definitely change that a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure because it hit their pockets. That's what it does.
1: <laughs> Nicole, can I just add one more thing? Earlier, we had briefly spoke about location for us in the collective. And so we're here in uh, South Florida from Miami-Dade, and we've got doulas all the way up towards Brevard County. So South Florida and the Treasure Coast. And then Audrey (laughs) just recently moved to Philadelphia. And so I just wanted to plant that seed because what she has experienced in the last two months and has brought forth into our awareness here in South Florida is that, and and this goes back to what we were talking about before, in our experience here in Florida, we face that roadblock of not having access into hospitals. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for your followers to hear Audrey's experience of what her experience is right now as a doula in the pandemic and how her state is handling this. Mm,
0: That is a good point because that's right we went from Florida now you have a different state so go ahead Audrey.
5: Yeah. So I live right outside of Philly in Jersey and New Jersey from the very beginning of the pandemic. It's like in the law starting in March that regardless of where you give birth, you are entitled to have a doula there. That doulas are a necessary professional that is like established part of a birthing team. And so that you have the right to have one. And I had to like double check the law myself because, you know, like Brooke had said in Florida, we we call hospitals sometimes every day to be like, hey, am I still allowed? What about today? What about with the woman who's going to be in charge on Friday? You know, so to be in a state where It's so accepted and huge kudos to the current government. Again, I'm new here, but I believe it's the governor's wife who has done so much work on maternal health care, improving infant and maternal mortality rates, just like having essentially access to birth options. And so she was really, you know, instrumental in making sure that this got on the books straight away. I mean, like Averjil was talking about, they're also doing a ton of work in Uh, making doula care a part of insurance so yeah it's been great to be here in a place that it's so accepted and so encouraged and protected it's refreshing
0: (laughs) i'm sure which goes to i guess what you know i'll save this question but where where you guys see the future and be like are you guys going to be knocking on some legislation doors (laughs) because i mean i'm sure that makes again you got to hit them where the you know money talks, you know, it's all about the politics aspect of it, of who's in power, what's in power. And so you weren't here for that, but the previous employer I had, the only reason why they made certain changes to their maternity leave policy was because the wife got pregnant. They did not care, but they knew, okay, well, if I'm going to do it for my wife, I have to do it for everybody. And then, you know, because she came back Fast, He thought everyone else was going to come fast. And I'm like, no, no, that's just not how it works. So it is what it is. But before we go into that of kind of the future and all that of doula care, what is the process to become a doula? What does that look like for someone out there that may want to do something like this? What does that process look like? Where can they go for resources?
5: But it depends who you ask. Oh, um,
0: okay. So there, so I, if there's different news. That's fine too. But maybe put some websites where people can go. Like you know, kind of summarize what are the top three kind of things. Maybe if if so. Well, I think each
5: of us might have actually trained with a different organization. Oh, wow. I just want
4: to, <laughs> yeah. Before yeah. we go into that, I just want to say that technically, at least in Florida, there's no regulation. So if tomorrow you want to be a doula, you can be a doula. Certification is not a requirement. It's not essential like a midwife <gasps> or anything like that. Uh, okay. Well, no, that's
0: good to know. Because what if someone's interested? They're like, you know, I want to go to a birth because I'm listening to all of this and I have a passion for helping moms. And I'm like, gosh, would I want to do that to help a woman during, I'm like, you know, so I'm even looking at it as that. So that's good to know. But what are some resources where can women go to maybe learn a little bit more other than being hands-on and being at the birth?
2: So I, I think Audrey's right. We all came from different, um, <laughs> Certification, certifying bodies. I think you have to align yourself, do the research for yourself, because you have to align yourself with a program that you believe in and a program that spans across what's important to you, but then also what's going to be, what's going to prepare you. Because you don't want to get out there and say, Yeah, I'm a certified doula, and something happens. You have no community to attach yourself to. Mm-hmm. You have no learning basis that was, you know, in any of the modules that you spoke of. But in terms of time commitment, that also varies. So it could be anything from a few days of kind of intensive training mm-hmm. to over, you know, a few weeks and months. It used to be something I would say by and large, you have to do on a physical. But now, in this post pandemic world, I think most programs have virtual, you can receive your certification by virtual learnings. So I, it's just do the research. Who do you align with? And I said, I would also say, I think all of us receive our certifications from places that are national, but don't forget about the little guy. If you you know, are in Idaho, and that's where you want to serve, you know, look around to see who's in Idaho that's teach because there's nothing like getting a cheat sheet to what's going on in your community It's going to make your life a whole lot easier.
0: That's awesome. And in the show notes, you could each send me that I'll put maybe some links where people can go maybe that have kind of helped you. So that's no problem. We could put that in the show notes. Belle, did you want to say something or Audrey?
5: Yeah, I guess just to say that one thing that I looked for when I was looking for, you know, who I would train through was one, like, I wanted to make sure that it had a business training component that I wouldn't be, you know, just like taught how to be a birth doula attending birth, but that I also would be taught how to be a businesswoman and how to present myself professionally in sort of the birth world space, as well as a body that had a very strong list of ethical positions and legal stances you know coming from a clinical mental health background you know having a very black and white like this is something we do as doulas and this is something we don't do as doulas especially for those like ethical gray areas you know but like bell was saying that like we don't speak for you to a provider there are some doula trainers who maybe wouldn't say that or stress that as like a tenant of what you are as a doula and so you know one of the things that i looked for was a, a place that has clearly defined boundaries for what a doula is and what a doula isn't and where we sort of fall into this to really protect us from unintentionally meddling with a medical situation or telling a, a birthing person something that could end up causing them harm or not even causing them harm but you you know, making that a negative experience. So I, want, I went out of my way to make sure that I found a training and an oversight board that would provide me with those things.
4: What Agel said about like researching the different program, I think is very important. to be honest with you, when I first started the organization that I certified with, knowing what I know now about the birth world, it probably won't be would not be the same if I were to be certified again because it's not it's not the direction that I want to go in, in my work as a doula. So I think that that is very uh, very important to have something that is aligned with you. Scope of practice, though, is also uh, a big thing. And as far as the collective, I just wanted to add that part of our requirement to become a member with us is to either be already certified or be in the process of certification, because we want to have that level level of professionalism amongst us.
2: That's good.
0: That's a good point. I w- yeah. Towards the end, I was going to say kind of like how people can contact you and how to become, but that's a good so that we don't kind of lose sight of that, that, you know, to be a part of a member of this group, this is what you have. And and I agree. I think sometimes having that certification just helps and that's in anything, right? There's a certain level that comes that knows you have studied it and and know what you are doing.
1: I think what is also important to note too, in in the process of definitely doing your research, really looking into the different kinds of doula work that one can do, because it's not even just in birth. But to also call around to your local doulas in the community, ask questions, not only about becoming a doula, but a little bit about the business coming from coaching in private practice, I really wanted to think through the process of narrowing my niche. In many ways, it was more of narrowing my niche. But I called actually a member of our our collective and she was someone that I knew well, but I had called and just said, hey, this is where I'm thinking. And I knew it was her profession. And I just started asking her questions, not only about certification, but what is it like being a doula? What kind of income can I expect? Because we can Google things, but based off of our community here in South Florida is very different than other communities across the nation. The level of pay is very different. And also as a new doula, you kind of come in with this internal force that you have to kind of become a professional doula overnight and having someone to connect with in a way, in many ways, a mentor to kind of just ask those very basic questions will help you have a better understanding of reasonable expectations that you can put on yourself. Because becoming a doula, like any other business, it's not overnight success, and it requires perseverance and patience because you're navigating something. I mean, I like any business owner, right? You're you're navigating something that may be very new to you, and it takes time to build those relationships, to build that referral system, and to get certified and to find your niche. What kind of doula do you want to be? Like Bell was saying, and you know, like. I came in it as birth work, but I really just soon after found out that I love postpartum. And I think that that's just important to know in in addition to what kind of certifications is just.
0: No, that's so important. I think that's anything in life. Do your research, make sure this is really, and ask the questions, ask people that are doing the work. And I know Average has to go, but before you go Average I want to ask you a couple questions that I usually do towards the end, but I know you're leaving. What's a favorite book or one you would like to recommend? And what do you do to refill your cup and recharge?
2: To refill my cup and recharge, I've started scheduling days off. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but there is work to do every day in every aspect of it. And so I schedule days off. And then after births or after levels of support that were very high and very deep, I also make sure to take time to reflect. I don't have to rush into the next project or back to work. So I take the time that's needed and I eat well, rest well and hydrate in that time period. So a book that I recommend is The Big Letdown by Kimberly Seals Allers. You know, I never knew so much about breastfeeding, the history of it, how hospitals are constructed to kind of fight against breastfeeding, all of that. And so that's such a big part of what, towards the end of the pregnancy, what you discuss with a mother, her postpartum journey in the beginning, figuring that out. So, you know, that's really helped me in education of the mothers, especially those who want to breastfeed. And I just really love that book.
0: Any final thoughts to the podcast world that you want to put out there? I
2: would say doula care is not just for the privileged, It's for the pregnant. I mean, it's not something that has to be for one segment of our society. My goal is to help everyone gain access to this and for all different levels from private practice to Medicaid. And I'm excited about where doula work is going in the future. And I'm here to support it.
0: Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. I know you have to go whenever you have to, sign off, just sign off. But I'll go back to the ladies remaining. So what is the future of Jula Care Collective? Where do you see it? I see you have someone in another state that's amazing. And I think what 2020 taught us is that we're not monolithic, right? We can branch out and do different things, which is one thing I learned that we can do many different things. And it doesn't have to be the way that we've kind of been taught with it. So yeah, what's the future? You know, what do you see it? And And yeah, whoever wants to chime in. Yeah. Well, being where
1: we are right now and being in our first year, we are really working on establishing some programs. Programs not only for doulas and strengthening their best business skills, but also programs for the community at large. So, going forward, things that I have listed for our big opportunities to grow and expand into is advocacy work. So, the idea that if in the state of Florida we need to go and support legislation that we as an entity, as a community will be prepared for that. Being professionals and all being either certified or in that process of reaching certification, I think will really give us that leverage and being that standing force of doulas within our community here in Florida, to really go and advocate for the profession. We've even talked about creating our own certification program going forward. I mean, we have some big ideas and I want Belle to chime in too, but really one of the big things is advocacy work, doing a lot more in terms of education with the development or education in the community. When it comes to prenatal care, we had a woman who was not a doula but was a IBCLC and a pediatric dietitian who was briefly within the collective she unfortunately moved away but she really brought perspective coming in from a- another state and the quality of care that the birth profession provides them in this other state is not in our state of Florida, is not in South Florida. And as a pediatric dietitian and lactation specialist, what she saw, what we are lacking in, the, in South Florida is lactation support and education. And that as, as a co-founder of the collective made me realize, once again, education So as a collective, our big goal is to really provide further education into the community when it comes to not even during pregnancy, but preconception. I mean, that's where we're going to be able to make the greatest impact is in this next generation of expected mothers. The more they know the better their decisions will be and the more satisfying their birth and postpartum experiences, not even birth and postpartum, right. But just saying birth and postpartum experiences will be the more, you know, the better you will feel in making these right decisions that work best for you.
0: It's all about educating, empowering, and supporting
4: bell. Go ahead where to start as far as like where we want to go with the collective because as we grow we come with like new pair of eyes new ideas so it's just like bah, bah, bah. we have like truckloads of ideas it just depends on the opportunities that we have and how we're going to be able to get things done and whatnot but there's so many areas that needs breastfeeding or any type really and it goes back to support and be be in the community we did talk about having our own certification program we'll see we'll see what the future holds we talked about different like having different chapters of the collective in different states just just growing really and 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 having those little clusters of doulas supporting one another so we can all grow together and whatnot you know it's making it i know they have like the midwives
0: association actually my husband's aunt was the president of the international Midwives Association of the, goodness, Caribbean. She's in Trinidad, but she's like high, high up there of like the, like the global aspect of it and has her own birthing center. So, oh my God, yeah, that would be amazing of having different chapters and stuff. And basically like an association that doulas can kind of register for and be a part of. And yeah, man, that's how you do it. That's how you grow.
1: We are in the process. So when I was saying about the programs We are required by the IRS to provide a list of programs that we anticipate to provide the community. And that process for the IRS would hopefully, if approved, accepted, we would be a 501c6. So that ultimately is a business association. So like the Board of Realtors, the Doulas Care Collective will be like that. And if that's where the future leads us down the path of having chapters in various counties
0: or even states. Who knows? We will put it out into existence for all of you and for the Doula Care Collective. If there is there anything that maybe you guys wanted to touch base on before I do like my fun little get to know section here, anything that you thought maybe should have been said that's on your mind, anything you want to clear up anything that you had, if not, we can jump right into it. I was thinking
5: about just goals for the future. We all in our board meetings and in our conversations have talked about really wanting the collective to reflect our community. And the community is so much a part of being a doula. A huge part of this work is, you know, integrating with hospitals, meeting midwives and nurses, you know, working with other doulas, getting out into educational places, you know, being where our community is. And so one of my visions for the future for the collective is just having those parts of the community represented in the collective that we want to look the way our community looks and have, you know, experts or specialists, or even just people who are really passionate about every aspect of maternal care and every aspect of the community. And so, you know, in bringing on those lactation specialists or bringing on the, you know, fitness and yoga and nutrition, and, you know, we have a lot of those things already, the the women of the collective I say women because it's only women right now, but the people of the collective are hugely varied and wonderful. And they all have such unique interests that they bring to the table because no doula is ever just a doula. They're always something else. And so we've just, I want to see that continue, you know, bring on all those specialties, bring on all those additional connections and those elements of the community that aren't maybe represented yet.
4: Love yes, that's something we actually kind of, I mean, they're not specifically part of the collective, but once a month for our members, we have a community partners presentation where we do have somebody that works with families or in the or world that come and talk to us about what they do. So they get to know us, we get to know them and it's it's a win-win. So we've had like pelvic floor specialists. We had step training Brooke helped me on that. Oh, we've We've had had
5: occupational therapy.
4: Pediatric
1: occupational therapist, a pelvic floor specialist, a body positivity coach, uh, chiropractor who specializes in postpartum and prenatal care. We've
0: got, yeah, a few other
1: ones on the list, but yeah, that's awesome. I great. love it.
0: Look, I'm not a doula. I want to join. I want to join the Doula Care Collective. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, look, with Mama's Know Best, I, it started from a podcast, but I have so many things that I have just in talking with women. And I mean, I didn't know about diastasis recti and I spoke with a woman who talked about that and that's what she did. And she's talking about, it. I'm like, wait, I thought she was a fitness instructor that happened to, and she was like, no, it's this. And I'm like, oh goodness. I'm like, how did I not know? Like how do women still not know because you there are certain not- things that happen to your body after you have a child. Like, it blew my mind. So I love it. So like I was like, I want to join. So I, I do have one question before we go. So I know it's Doula Care Collective, but are you also thinking of, like, the moms that you have? Do they get special perks as being a part of this that are maybe your clients? I'm like, did I miss that somewhere? Once, like, the pandemic settles and things are getting... That's what
3: has been slowing us down in regards to that, but we do plan on offering all kinds kind of classes because like Audrey said, we all come with our own set of skills and whatnot. So maybe we can do a class on breastfeeding, a class on like belly binding that I'm specialized to for I can't pronounce
0: it diastis rectus Diastasis. rectile, right, there's skinny babies, there's so many things.
3: But yes, so many so eventually we do, we do want to offer classes like this to our community. Most likely they may be free because we will be a nonprofit or it would be just a small fee to get our expenses on this but it is one of the way we want to
0: give back to our families and, and the community. okay let's get into so average gave her favorite book i'll go through brooke bell and then audrey go through and say maybe a favorite book or one that you would want to recommend it could be doula related it could be it could be anything so yeah
1: the book that I recommend is Transformed by Birth. Re- really, it's coming from coaching. It, it's birth is a transformational experience. And we don't really talk enough about the intrinsic value and process that a woman goes through in that. And she not only becomes a mother, but she becomes a different herself. Mm. And we always have this idea that I just gave birth and, and I no longer feel like my old self. And that's kind of my jam is really to go through that deep dive and looking underneath and exploring who we have become. And it's written by Brita Burchnell, who has a PhD and she has, she owned for quite some time, Birthing From Within, which is a certifying organization for childbirth educators like myself. And she also offers a doula program or sorry, Birthing From Within offers a doula program. But I really love that book because it does
0: talk about the transformational experience of birth. I love it. Bell. Belle? If you have time to read, because I know, girl, <laughs> I've been reading the same book, trying to get it done for three months. I'm with you.
3: <laughs> One of the books that really, like, as I was preparing for my home birth and really like, got me, yes, I can do it, was The Guide of Childbirth by Ina Gaskin. She is a midwife and she has created a community back in the 70s of midwife. And I don't remember the states, but they were like very auto- autonom. autonomous. Autonomous yes and they had a great birth outcome whatnot but just like it's made out of a lot of testimonies of women and, and photos and stuff like that and I, I just loved it i was like so yes so empowered when i read it i'm like i can totally do this
0: like bodies is amazing and just like really like got me all fired up <laughs> for my birth <laughs> And which is what you need. That's what women yeah. need. I think we've been taught that it's very scary. And, or like my my husband's aunt had said, she was like, I think it's important for you to know when I got pregnant. She's like, it's not a disease. She's like, I think women think like they automatically, it's like, it's a disease or a sickness. And she's like, your body is doing what it's supposed to do. And that kind of stuck with me. Insurance wise, it is considered, oh. like when you claim it with your insurance, it is considered as a illness and a disease. Well, that's a whole nother story, <laughs> but exactly. They lead, but that's the psychological to where it's in print. ingrained in us that we think it's a scary thing and it doesn't have to be go ahead audrey oh go ahead do you have a face oh yeah um
5: love the birth partner it's like probably the first book that i think every doula reads or people who read it and then they're like oh wait i want to become a doula but it's just like packed with information it's essentially a childbirth education class in a book as well as like a how-to guide on supporting your partner through the birth process you know it's super easy to flip through a very practical there are diagrams it's just an excellent resource for any and not even just for birth partners or doulas but birthing people who want to like know what to expect and how to make their birth manageable
0: I just I love I have it right on my desk
5: grab it all the time
0: that's awesome is it all earmarked and highlighted and everything
5: yes with like the tabs for what you need
0: yeah totally love it so what do you all do to refill your cup and to recharge because I know this is very taxing and it's a lot you know it's a long long labor of love and you know there's sleepless nights and late night phone calls and early morning phone calls and everything in between. What do you do to kind of refill? And I don't use the word self-care anymore because I feel like self-care, yes,
4: but it's more of refilling your cup and recharging. Me is just chilling with the kids, getting at the beach and just like do nothing, unplug and and spend time to really be present with my daughters and yeah. just be there. And and when I come home from from a birth, like after, in the middle of the night, I usually come home, everybody is still asleep, and I just like sit in that fitting, like mm. sit in that oxytocin. I have I have my, my whole body is tingling, like, I just like sit with it. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do.
0: Yeah,
5: I do a number of things. I find journaling really helpful. I journal at the end of every day, and I think it's, I have found it so helpful in sort of like having a continuous refill and recharge session. I also really enjoy like just getting outside, being in nature, playing video games. You know, and I'll be honest, as a person who doesn't yet have children and wants to have children, it can be really exhausting to be in the space of pregnant people and newborns and birthing people all day, every day, which is really what you need to do to be a successful doula. You know, like Belle said, when I come home from a birth, I am like flying, you know, it's an amazing experience. And I'm so grateful that I get to have it. But, you know, promoting yourself on social media, where you have to spend all of your time interacting with people who are are pregnant and in that process can totally be really exhausting so sometimes just completely unplugging in buildings in a video game or like you know completely disconnecting can be so helpful yeah Brooke
1: what about you I mean when it comes to like that I think one word stillness because I feel like depending on the experience. And I think more people can relate to the word stillness. So sometimes, yeah. So definitely after births journaling, because our experience as doulas is can be very different than the mother's experience. And like Belle was going back to, we see things that they and their partner may and processing. So that can be different for many people, but processing that is really important. Rest. Rest is so important. Personal care, my thing, the the thing that I treat myself after every birth is a foot spa. There is nothing better than having someone perform reflexology on your feet. You know, your, your feet is what grounds you. And so having them, one, stimulate the lymphatic system to flush, you're standing, you're active, you're Working sometimes up to 36 hours because you may have gone to early labor at their home and, and your feet are tired. And so that one thing that I always treat myself is a foot spa, but going back to rest, personal care, so that foot spa thing, and then healing. So journaling, taking time to just be still the beach. I think for as women, we are so connected to the ocean that no matter what goes on in my life, (laughs) I always walk away feeling so restored from just spending time at the beach. And so there are a lot of walks.
0: That's really good.
1: And I
4: like when Brooke comes home at six o'clock in the morning, get coffee in my house because she's She's leaving a postpartum <laughs> visit. That's our way to restore, to recharge, to just staying out together <laughs> yeah. as this. That's good to make note. Sorry, Nakota. Totally,
3: to yeah. You.
1: But that is Dula's Care Collective, that we have built these relationships with one another, that we've become part of that restoration process for each other.
0: The sisterhood of it. I get chill yeah no it's amazing so I was like I was like can I join can I be can I can I join but so I'm gonna say what's your favorite movie then I want to just do something fun out there what's your favorite movie what what do you like to jam in your car I know for me it could be 90s anything especially when my son's out of the car I turn into like 90s hip-hop R&B could be anything I just 90s music what's your favorite movie and what what are your jams
5: I am an 80s power ballad person and pretty much actually anything that sounds like an 80s power ballad I will crank roll the windows down dance sing I also really love folk music like a 60s mamas and papas vibe oh I like Um, that too yes runs a range my favorite movie I have always loved the princess bride and no matter how many times I watch it it still is just classic wonderful it's classic and my favorite movie might change based on like the year but anytime anyone asks me my favorite movie it's like no still the princess bride because it. it's still phenomenal
0: <laughs> it is it's a classic <laughs> bell Brook. i know for me like the movies i could watch over like pretty woman i like i do like gladiator and those kind of like epic movies but i love like they just fight for what's right and they for their families like i've always loved it but i'm a crier too so i'm all over music movies i can i can watch it all i love it but yeah
1: I mean, when it comes to like movies, I love romance. I love thank you. Yes. Anything, the notebook. Oh goodness. I I can I mean, yes, that's like right up there with pretty woman. (laughs) I can watch that over and over and over and I still cry. But I love
0: documentaries too. Yes, me too. I love anything that gives me the opportunity to think. Yes. Same. There's actually a really good one. I don't know if you guys have Netflix and it's a really empowering called The Octopus Teacher. I love that. That's a beauty. I just watched it. Someone on my podcast last year recommended it and I just remembered and I watched it. I was like, oh my God, I was telling my mom about it. I'm like, it's such a beautiful movie. It's an amazing, amazing movie, amazing documentary.
1: Love that. And then for
0: music, being in Reiki, I love anything
1: that's euphoric, but I find on my Spotify account now, I have a lot of boho chill type music
0: yeah i can imagine i can imagine the work that you guys do like you guys just kind of want to chill out sometimes or it's like you're just like look just give me let me let me get you know so i I definitely feel that
4: bell what about you i jam on reggae roots reggae ragga i haven't had a playlist like that for harper's birth That's awesome. So that's definitely my thing. I try to stay connected to that type of music from France. So it's kind of like difficult because it's only Spotify that pops up from the United States. But And movies, yeah, it's going to be definitely what's your number or how to lose a guy in 10 and days. days. Yeah, but not so much chick flicks of the Dead Poet Society. That was a big one for me when I was a teenager. That book changed my life as well. So, yeah. yeah. And what about Disney? Do you guys do a yeah. lot of Disney? Like, I know, Aji, you don't have kids,
0: but like Moana, I can't rate to so watch Raya, obviously. The Good Dinosaur, Onward. Oh my God, there's such... I was crying. And now, my son is three. Now when movies come on, he's like, are you crying? And I'm like, are you making fun of me? Because he knows oh, like hard. every the sentimental part. He's like, are you going to cry, mommy? <laughs> Disney movies yeah. are so special. Even when you don't have kids,
1: there's always a good enough I mean. reason to watch Disney movies.
0: Yeah, I never
5: stopped being a Disney kid so like (laughs) yeah Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin are still a jam
0: Yeah, still, they're just classics, man. And yeah, they're just such happy. They all have great messages. And having my son kind of made me go back to that. So watching it, and that's why I felt, because I'm, to say it, because I'm like, I was like, God, these are really, they have really good messages, you know? Especially some of these old, like, of course you have the Aladdins and stuff, but I'm like, some of these other ones, like they have some really awesome storylines on what they're trying to do. Some of them go deep. Oh, Soul, oh yes, Soul, that was amazing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, That one actually was the last one I think I cried. And he's like, you're crying, mommy. And I tried to, but he's only three, but yeah, I cry and everything. Okay. So final thoughts to the podcast world, any final thoughts, anything you want to say, clarify, you know, that you feel really feel the listeners can get, this has been an amazing conversation. You know, I'm so honored that you got, that you ladies are on here, but yeah, any final thoughts? Do
1: your research. The more you can understand what your choices and options are and having, if you're unable to find your own way and navigating your preferences with birth, seek out the support of a doula because it's about knowing what your options are because you can't forecast the outcome of your birth experience, your postpartum experience but knowing that doulas are simply a resource to help you feel satisfied in your experience.
5: Yeah, I guess maybe you should go along with that. If there's something that you think you want in birth or something you think you don't want birth, postpartum, prenatal fertility, whatever, see if it can happen. Like there are so many people who are like, well, I, I had this vision of, you know, eating during my birth, but I knew that it wasn't an option. Like, well, but it is. Or that like all those things are, are here. And if they're innate, like if your body is telling you those things, then there's a provider who can make that happen for you or a a doula who can help you to know that that's a thing. Also, just if you think that a doula sounds interesting to you or that a childbirth education class sounds interesting, or that you might want to meet with an IBCLC or that you might need help breastfeeding, or that you even want to know about breastfeeding, reach out to people. I know that, it's hard to make phone calls to strangers, but specifically in the birth world, we want that more than anything. We would love to have a conversation with you, but we can't do that if we don't know that you have questions. And so, yeah, if you're even the least bit curious or even just want to have a person to talk to to tell what you're thinking, that's why we exist, to be a you know anchor in the community and, and get you where you need to go. So totally reach out.
4: Yeah, all of that. Do your research, seek support, Think outside the box, too. The mainstream way is not the only way. And mm-hmm. even if you do choose to birth in a hospital, just remember that you are in charge. The doctor works for you. The you are not allowed or it's not permitted. No, that's not, it's so that's not acceptable. You, it's your body. It's your choice. It's your baby. And and yeah, just seek <sighs> support, inform, information. And also on breastfeeding, we just mentioned If you do intend on brand speeding, I strongly urge you, you get your, your support team for that before you even give birth because otherwise it's already going to be too late. Yeah. Or if it's not too late, it's just going to be much
0: more difficult because I did not have the support before and before. I'm not going to say it was hell, but next to then, you know, cause I had a great birth experience, but who that postpartum and that breastfeeding, that was no joy joke. And I'm just thankful. I had my aunt who's a midwife, Sandy and Galena, who are, are my, were my midwives and IBCLC who kind of were there, Martha as well to text her. But yeah, man, it makes it that much more difficult. And I thought I knew everything, but to uh, oh, argue yeah. and all of you got ladies point is like, you think, you know, but you don't. So it's like, if it's even there, if there's a question, do your research about it. So how can people find you? How can people find you? Put that on? I mean, I'll put it in the show notes, but just put, you know, where you guys are on IG, if there's a website.
4: Yes, we do have a website. It's www.dulascarecollective.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under the same thing, Judas with an S, Care
0: Collective. Amazing ladies, thank you so much. Like I said, it's been a pleasure. This has been informative, it's been even eye opening. Like I said, I had a doula, so I thought I knew everything. And you know, there's so many things that come with being a doula and the different types. So, yeah, so thank you, and just continued blessings to you all for love and light, and with everything that you're doing with the doula care collective. I'm sure we'll be connected with something soon. My, my wheels were already rolling with what I'm trying to do. So we'll be talking. Thank you. Thank for you. Us. Thanks, ladies. Thank you for listening to the Mama's Know Best. We got something to say podcast. Please share this episode, download it, rate, review, and subscribe to my show if you haven't already done so. And tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her motherhood journey. Continue blessings to you all for love and light.